everybody. Welcome to the Two Saints Show today with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark Coach. Hi, Mark. How are you? Yeah, man. Uh, well, I was still all right. It was a good. It was a good start my weekend, like you know. And then, and then, obviously, in recent days, it's gone about. Well, the last twenty-four hours, it's gone about Pete Tong, as they say. Really, but um, yeah. Apart from that, everything's all right. I hope all our listeners out there are keep them well and, you know, stand safe sort of thing and looking after each other, more importantly. Absolutely. Yeah, and we'd just like to issue an apology to everybody for the fact there was no Leeds United versus Saints preview on the show last week or on the Two Saints podcast. And obviously the ways to access the Two Saints radio show show are these. You can join us in the studio, Fiesta 95 FM in Southampton, 1 till 3 p.m. every Thursday. You can also catch us via onlineradiobox.com. And you can also contact the show via our email address, which is the Two Saints podcast show at outlook.com. That's for the podcast or the radio show for any input you want to give us and any feedback you want to give us, positive or negative. So that's any questions and obviously any features you might like to see on future shows. So coming up in the first half review for you today, we have the two Saints review of Saints 1, Chelsea 1 and Leeds United 3, Saints 0. So we'll be back over for a few short words. It's the Two Marks, CNH on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM, Fiesta 95FM, the Two Saints Show. So welcome back, everybody. And before we get into everything, um, just obviously, Mark wants to say a few words before I do. we do our review of Saints 1 Chelsea 1. Yeah, people, look, I'm sorry. It was my mistake that we didn't do a, a preview of the Leeds game. But obviously, you're getting a review of the Leeds game on the, on the show. Tonight. Yeah, it was, a, it was an oversight. The reason why I'm apologising is I compile the show every week. It was basically my oversight that we didn't do a, a preview of the Leeds game. Uh, I do apologise to the listeners. Yeah, I'm sure they I'm sure they will forgive you, Mark. Anyway, moving on. The two cents review of Saints one, Chelsea one. So Saints had an entire week to prepare for this offseason, which is great. Minamino strike as strikes as Saints and a point. Hassan Hootel, an important point. Gineppo, we're fighting to improve. Yep. Yeah, um Ralph obviously had, had a week to work on them, Mark. He'd not worked with them for for that sort of time scale. He'd not had a lot of time to get them on the training ground, but he had a solid week and um seemed to bear a bit of fruit. Minamino, second goal in three starts for Saints. And um, as a team, to a man, they seem to be up for it. Gineppo, I thought, was man of the match. Outstanding. Well, we reaped the rewards. I mean, look, the, the bottom line was it, it was Chelsea at home. And given that Tuchel's gone in there and he's had the effect that he's had, you know, I think, what is it, four or five wins, one draw before they came to our place. And... You know, on the run that we were on, Mark, it was never going to be, Ralph was never going to take the approach of let's take the game to them and see what they've got. You know, it it was definitely a case of, you know, keep it tight, defensively, you know, be prepared as a unit. And and basically that's what we did. It was a very disciplined performance. Um, You know, when the opportunity arose, arose to sort of, you know, score a goal, you know, we took up with some aplomb. Absolutely. It's just a shame that, you know, we can we can see the penalty in the worst possible set of circumstances because Chelsea the whole game only only actually got in behind the Saints defence twice. 
Yep. You know, and in this instance, we had a, a striker who obviously was trying to do a job, but he yep. made a striker's tackle in in the eighteen yard box, and you know the penalty was the only was the only possible. Yeah, and, it, and as if giving the penalty away wasn't bad enough, <laughs> so just to rub a bit of salt in the wound, it was the Pompey boy himself, Mason Mount, who steps up to take it, just to rub salt in the wound, salt in the wound. A little bit of payback for the Pompey fans for their four 0 in their own backyard, but oh, you couldn't, you wouldn't credit that, would you? Just to add a bit of salt into the wound. Uh, I mean, I start for giving for his antics when the crowd was in the stadium when he yep. scored, but when the, I think the beat is free, was it three one or three 0 or whatever yes, it was, and he and he celebrated like I mean, look at the end of the day, you can't blame him. I suppose I mean, you know. Portsmouth supporter and all that, but um, well, we all it, remember how well we celebrated in '84 when Steve Moran got that 89th minute winner at Fratton Park. So we'll give him that one. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, going going back to the game, man. I mean, the thing is, is for me, it was hard for me to separate man of the match. You know, it was yep. between Moose and Janapo, obviously, and Salisu. Yeah, uh, you know, I favour Salisu a little bit because. His interceptions um, and his, his tackling above everything else, it bled the years that he was. You know, what much as everybody earlier in the season was going on about how much, you know, that Vestergaard has improved. And, and personally, I think he, he's going backwards. He's the, you know what I mean? Um, because I'm beginning to think that he's still got the turning circle of the Queen Mary. But, um, but yeah, but apart, apart from that, no, I thought Salasu's performance belayed his years. And, and given, you know, that it was, it's basically only his second appearance, you know, you, I, was, I was really impressed with him in, in that sense. And then Gineppo, you know, at the end of the day, he's doing something that's alien to him. You know, like, like you like to say to me, he's a winger. And I say, it doesn't stop them from being able to do both sides of the job in the modern era. But he's definitely era. learning. He's definitely yeah. learning to do that side well, of it. And, and, um, and the, and the thing well. is, is, the way he was putting himself about and getting into the tackles, there was some mistimed ones. I'm not saying that there wasn't, but there was some really good tackles where I was sat there thinking to myself, hang on, he's a winger. You know, I'm using, I'm using your own ethos against you here. I'm sitting there thinking he's a winger, and well, yet in some fairness, of the tackles he put in were tremendous. Well, and in fairness, Mark, it shows how good a game he had because Chelsea were kicking him all over the pitch all afternoon. Yeah. No, and then the thing is, is I think I think he was up to the challenge of it. And it's obvious that that Ralph had spoke to him. You know, I think I think that's fairly obvious that Ralph had spoke to him and said to him, like, you know, this this is how I want you to play it. And and he went out and carried carried the plan through to his own personal plan through to the letter. Um, you know, and Melamudo's finish. Excellent finish, and it's just a shame that we didn't sort of come away with the three points because I think it would have been richly deserved. Given all right, Chelsea had a lot of the ball, but you know the thing is, is you can have a lot of the ball and do nothing with it. True. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I was 
on Monday night there, I watched Brighton against Crystal Palace. Now, Brighton should have won the game. They had 90% of the possession for me. Yep. Right? And yet they still contrived to lose it 2-1. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm just using that as an example. I'm going off yep. base. But, you know, I, I just thought we were compact. We made it difficult for Chelsea. You know, there, was, there wasn't a lot of room there. You know, when, when people were getting in behind, and like I said, it only happened twice in the whole game that I seen. You know, the thing is, is when you're, you're basically limiting their center half, to having pot shots from outside the eighteen yard, you know, well outside the eighteen yep. yard box, you know, you know that you're putting in a disciplined defensive performance, and that's what we did. Yeah, absolutely right, absolutely right. Yeah, and um, slightly different setup as well. Obviously, we started seeing the sides. Ralph had set things up slightly differently. Sort of looked like we played a three at the back and a four at the back and a five at the back. So it kind of yeah. changed quite a few times. And Chelsea didn't seem to be able to cope with that, to be fair. So Ralph got the tactics right. Yeah, it did. It looked, it looked to me, you're quite right to point that out, Mark. I mean, there, there, there's, this, there's this thing where people were saying, oh, it was a flat back four he was playing. But at times, it looked to me like it was a defence, you know, a central defence of three sometimes going to a four, sometimes, like you say, going to a five, you know. And, um, and I mean, that we, you know, we're pretty fluid from from that point of view, like, you know what I mean, in the, in the, in the interchangeables. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, look, man, I, would, I was more than impressed with yeah. the way we went about it. I know you were... Slightly disappointed in that we didn't attack slightly more, but then I just think at the it end was, of the day, it was maybe it was more cases do that. We might have ended up surrendering, I mean, surrendering I, the initiative to Chelsea. It wasn't for me a case of throw caution to the wind and go for it. It was more a case of it's a shame we couldn't carve out another opportunity to actually score, apart from the one that Vestergaard hit the bar with, um, which yeah. is very unlucky indeed. He went in. Um, it's a shame we couldn't carve out another clear-cut chance to get the win because Chelsea were, by their standards recently, they were they were quite average. But that's because we made them average. So it's just uh, a shame like, we couldn't like, capitalise on it. Like, like I said, when you say you know we'll be at them average, yeah. we'll be at them average because we're, we're put in yeah. a, a defensive, as I say, disciplined performance. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it was absolutely. a performance where everyone knew their job because yeah. Saturday to me was all about stopping the rot. Yeah, we did that. And, and, and the thing is, is you sit there and you think it's a building block. And oh, I, know we're com- I know we're coming on to the Leeds game in a minute. Really but but I, I, you know, I was going into the Leeds game with an hour, an hour of optimism. Yeah, me whereas, too. If we hadn't got anything out of the Chelsea yeah. game, I would have been going into the Leeds game thinking, you know, do I really hold that much hope for us? No. The thing is, for me, I looked at it and I thought, yeah, we're going into the Leeds game off the back of getting a good point against Chelsea, stop the rock. Ralph's come up with a plan B, which a lot of people say he hasn't got. So stick yeah. with what you got, Ralph. You know, don't twist, don't stick. You know, stick to what you got. Don't twist, don't gamble, don't whatever. Just stick with what you got. Take that into the Leeds game. Happy days. Three points are there for the taking. Um, and yeah, 
and we're talking obviously of the two Saints review of Leeds three Saints nil. We will get to that shortly, but we are actually going to take a break now. And when we come back, it'll be the two Saints review of Leeds United three Saints nil. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints show. The Two Saints show here on Fiesta FM. Tune in every Thursday for informative football chat and great tunes. All right, welcome back, everybody. So, Two Saints review of Leeds United 3, Saints nil. Saints fall to three second-half goals. Hassan Hootall ruse deficiencies at both ends. And Adams, it's a tough one to take. Yeah, I feel for you, Shay, actually, because it's an even tougher one to take when you sit on the bench. Um, Ralph didn't, unfortunately, Mark, didn't stick to the tried and tested that served him so well at Chelsea. Made changes, left three of the key players from that game on the bench. And, um, yeah, it... Didn't go to plan, did it? It was definitely an awful lot of after the Lord Mayor show going on. And I think the only player that came out of it with a lot of credit, really, was probably Uru Romeo. And even he struggled. All, all, I, all I would say is after a ray of sunshine came an absolute downpour. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, I mean, I've, I've, we've spoke about this off uh, the record. And for me, Ralph tried to play an expansive game off the back of Leeds in some poor run of form, yep. right? Now, for me, you know, I'm not saying that Nathan Redmond may, may or may not have been my starting lineup, but one thing, Mark, is I don't care how bad somebody's form is in front of the goal. Right, you can always rack the fat by them sticking up the ball in the back of the net, right? Yep. And for me, I, I don't care who Saints are playing, right? Adam Sedding starts every game, right? 100%. Uh, that combination, not not Redmond and Ings or Redmond and Adams as it was on, on last night, right? It's it's Adams and Ings because yep. they are your best. Chance your best, you know, combination of getting goals, yep. of, of scoring goals, of putting the goal yep. ball in the back of the net. Yep. And that, that, that's what it's all about, right? Now, you can have the discussions about who you play on that left hand side, that problematic left hand side, which we seem to have a problem with. Yep. Um, the other thing for me is, is that much as we champion Stuart Armstrong on the pod, you know, he's excellent when he's having a good game, mate, but I mean, there, there was a game where I would have been looking for him to step up because I know what he can do, right? Yeah. And he plays, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, he plays in that that gap of uncertainty, those lines of uncertainty, right? And he hardly had a kick the whole, yeah. the whole night. Um you know, and, and then we we'll, we'll look at, I mean, I think for me, the capitulation sort of, it, it got worse as the game went on. I mean, yeah. it was 3 it was now, Mark, but that the last 15 minutes there, you yeah. could have drove a truck through the centre of the midfield. Oh, seriously, right? if you and were Man City was, watching that, bear in mind we've got Man City coming up, if you were Man City watching that, you're going, Premier League record, here we come. Oh. No, but but you know the thing the the problem was we're three 0 down and even as I said in the last fifteen minutes Leeds had three or four really yep. good opportunities yep. to score didn't take them 
And 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 you looked at the scene on the pitch when those opportunities were arising. You're sat there and you're thinking, where's our central midfielders? Where's our centre backs? You know? Because it yep. just looked like the partner of the Red Sea. Well, I mean, you look at one of the attacks that Leeds that, that had, and this resulted in the tackle of the game from Oriol Romeo, who came from absolutely nowhere to get there. But the incident I'm referring to, the ball breaks from a Saints free kick, goes to a Leeds player, okay? That Leeds player shins it, it's basically a miss kick, to his teammate, who then runs clean through on goal until Oriol Romeo comes out of nowhere and makes the tackle of the game. Absolutely superb tackle. Yeah, no, But the worrying good. thing is, Mark, that's the one highlight. That's the Saints' highlight from that game. One tackle from Oriol Romeo was the highlight of that entire game. That's poor from all yeah, of them. The other thing is, is before, you know, I suppose we better cover it because people will ask the question, right? But Nathan Teller, never, never a penalty. No. It wasn't even a foul. In no. fact, he, he should have been booked. Yeah. Um, Can't argue with that. Uh, and then, and then the other thing would be just to say that, yeah, James Ward Price takes the free kick. The referee hadn't blown his whistle, and he did blow it after. You know, James Ward Price had yeah. taken the free kick. So, you know, you can't really. Yes, yes, you can promote about different things, but but overall, it it was an absolute disaster. I mean, what? Yeah. The, the, the other thing that you would ask yourself is, is if the confidence within the camp is brittle at the minute, Mark, right? Why, why, why go out? I, I get that Leeds are in a bad run of form, but Leeds are in their home patch, right? Yeah. But, but then if we're, if our confidence isn't great at the minute, and given the fact that we've had the run that we've had, it can't be that great. Yeah. Right? Yep. Surely, surely it would have been better even just to set up as we did on Saturday, where yeah. you're saying, right, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, defend to get something out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll have the same sort of structures in place yeah. as Saturday. And then, you know, we'll come away with at least a point, you know, or you know, you might nick a win, but but to go out all out. Because it did look like we were trying to play, a, a, you know, we're back to trying to play a counter-expansive yep. football, and yep. you're sort of sat there going, it still leads away, you know. Yep. And and given the run that we've been on, there does need to be a degree well, of caution. Fingers as well, Mark. There's a couple of things for me. A, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which we all know is a phrase that gets used a lot, but... Mm, couldn't be more apt for that game. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You shouldn't have changed your team. You had no reason to. And it's Leeds away. We haven't played this season. So, of course, you. why would you change it? Why would you change it? We haven't played them away. Why take the risk of changing the formation? Well, that I'll, give you, I'll give you one good reason for changing it, Mish. Right? Nathan Redman, 13 misplaced passes yep. to the opposition yep. during yep. the game, right? Yep. Danny Ings, who came on, that's that really shocked me. Burn a mind, he was only on for half of the second half. Yep. Yep. 11 passes that to the opposition. Surprised. Not surprised. 11 passes to the opposition. Yeah. And, and, and that's the point. That for me is the point. Ralph Hassan, Ralph everybody, is not the problem. Ralph is not the problem. Trust me. Ralph is not the problem. I defy any manager to come in and do any better than he's doing at the moment. Look, 
the thing, the thing that I would say about any manager, right, is a manager can only tell the players, yep. right, what he imparts to them during the week, or or even yep. in this case, what he imparts to them at well, half time. Prime example, let's remember it was nil nil at half time. Yeah. Well, look, prime example, Neil Lennon at Celtic. He's he's gone eighteen games now without winning for Celtic. That sorry, he's gone X number. Of Games at Celtic, that 18 points behind Rangers, he's now resigned. Has he become a bad manager overnight just because Celtic haven't managed to win? Has he become a bad manager overnight? Well, I don't, I don't you know? think so. I mean, a lot, lot of things, but I'm, we're not, I'm not going to get into no, that. No, I'm just saying, the point but, is, but has Ralph become a bad manager overnight? No. No, no, no. Ralph doesn't become a bad manager overnight. Totally. But, it, but it's like it's like what I'm trying to say to you. And, and you know, where, where he does have to take some of the blame for me. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point in bringing on or starting your best eleven as I see yeah. it? Yeah. Once you've gone one nil down and you're yeah. changing the game, exactly. Why not put your best eleven out on the pitch at the start of the game and but see how you go from there? I always agree with Dave Marrington on this one, and the fact that Dave Marrington always says, "If you've got your strongest side available, you play it. It doesn't matter what competition it is. Don't matter if it's the FA Cup, the league, whatever." If you've but got then, your strongest 11, you play your strongest 11. But then maybe Mark, maybe Ralph thinks that that was his strongest 11 he put out against Leeds. Well, great you respect know, to Ralph. This is what worries me. This yeah. is what kind of worries me. Because I sit there and I think to myself, yeah, okay, Nathan Redman did the pass on yeah. Saturday. They yeah. got us the goal. They got okay. us the drop, you know, and, and, and you yeah. know, picked us up. Picked us up, lifted us up, sort of thing. Yeah, but, but you know, I've got, I've got to say that he was totally ineffectual on Tuesday night. Yeah, and and Ralph does baffle me. I get that he likes him when he's pressing the ball. Yeah, but there wasn't even any press going on against. The thing is, though, Mark, you, you do have to question Ralph in the fact that Mr. Janepe, man of match performance against Chelsea, doesn't even pick him. Just leaves him on the uh, bench. How's, yeah. that, how's that do the confidence of the player any good? Can't be good for your confidence, can it? You put in a man in the match performance and then the next game you're on the bench. It's not good for your confidence, is it? But then I suppose he would argue, he would also argue, Mark, that while, you know, Gineppo, Melamino and, you know, Eggs all came on in the second half, you know, uh, when Eggs and Melamino were on the pitch, they conceded two. Yep. Right? Yep. And when when Gineppo was on the pitch, they conceded the third goal. Yeah. So, you know, you you could use that argument against us, really. But I, okay, but sorry. the thing is, but my my thing is is fair enough. You're going to play an expansive game, and he he decided that he was playing an attacking game, or he was at least going to try and go for it, right? Yep. But if you're going to do that. Play, put your best attacking players yeah. on the pitch. Absolutely right. You know? Yep, definitely. Yeah, and I think that um, that pretty much wraps up the coverage of the Leeds versus Saints game. There's just one other thing yep. I want to say as well, right? You know, Ryan Burkham, if you're going to keep putting performances in like that, leave the club in the summer. Yep. Yep, you know, yep. you know or, or come out and make a statement that you've decided that you're, you're not going to yep. commit because... That was for a for a person of his experience, and I'm just saying this yep. that performance down his side, down the left side by yep. him personally, 
yep. was truly awful last yeah, and I've week. got to say, in, in backing that up as well, Mark, it makes the decision to release Matt Target when they did look like a very poor one. But we didn't release them. We sold them because right, we didn't Okay, to sell him like, when they on. sold him. You release him, sell him, whatever you want to call it. We, you, we can't go backwards on stuff. No, 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 I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, Mark, what I'm saying is, it makes it look like a bad decision at the time because of the way Ryan's been and not having that cover there. Yes, I, I understand that. That's where yeah, but like anyway. I say, and I do agree with you to a point, you know, I do, but I just sort of sit there and I think sometimes you just got to let go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, look, I'm not one for living in the past, as you know, because I'm always saying to you, I wish people would stop harping back saying, oh, bring this player back, bring this player back, bring that player back. <laughs> no, they've left the club. They've left for a reason. We don't want them back. And most yep. of the time, they've been sold because the manager doesn't think they're good enough. But anyway, so that brings us to the end of the Leeds versus Saints coverage. And we're going to take a break. Coming up in the second half of the show, Saints Club news, other football news, and the two Saints preview of Everton versus Saints. So we'll be back in a bit. Fiesta 95 FM, the two Saints show. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the two Saints show. Welcome back, everybody. So Saints Club news. Saints B secure vital Premier League 2 win. So Saints... B team secure vital Premier League two win. Got a bit tongue tied there. Under 18s report, Leicester won Saints nil. March fixture changes, Brighton fixture change, UEFA Women's Euro 2022, 500 days to go. Southampton open Alex McCarthy contract talks. I can hear everyone groaning already, Mark. Woodgate pleased to see frontman Long get off the mark for the cherries. And that takes you up to your next break. So, starting with Premier League two, Mark. Saints B secure a vital win. Yeah, it certainly was vital because they haven't won many, have they? And it was a 1-0 win over Derby County. Kazim, a leg-based solitary goal, ensured they got all three points at the Snow Stadium on Sunday. And he had a host of chances in that game as well. But he took one at least. As I say, you know, unfortunately, the wins for, you know, the B team and the under-18s don't come along that often. So let's celebrate them while we can. Where's that Pogues music when you need it? But anyway, <laughs> um, no, in, in all seriousness, Mark, um, obviously, man, I, I, you know, I, I don't like having to come on here every week and when the under-18s or the, or the B team are in action. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sat there going, yeah, another barren week where we're not winning games football. Yep. So, that, let's, let's rejoice in the fact that, yes, we beat Derby County. Derby County is well-renowned for, you know, in in the B games, you can play overage players. and But because for them, with them playing in the championship and being at the highest standard you can be for, you know, for B teams or under-23 teams, right? What what they will do is they will use the rule that you can have three overage players, and the, and they do it to quite good effect. So, for the B team to come away with a one 0 result, you know, from from AFC Totten's ground, which obviously is the Snow Stadium. Yeah, I mean it, it's a good result, really. You know, yeah, against Derby County as well. So. Definitely a good result. Yeah, and hopefully it can sort of lift the season a bit and they they can move forward. Yeah, unfortunately, can't say the same for the under-18s. You unfortunately succumbed to a 1-0 loss to Leicester City in the under-18s Premier League. So, Ollie Ewing's solitary strike on 22 minutes was enough to seal all three points for the host, despite Saints creating several chances to seal a point late on. 
Fresh conditions at Leicester's all-new training facility certainly didn't impact the competitiveness competitiveness of the game. But yeah, unfortunately, under-18s go down to a 1-0 defeat more. Yeah, I mean, it, look, I keep saying this every week, but the under-18s thing is always so hard to gauge. You know, we're in the safe section. Um, and to be honest with you, mate, we always finish short of... Ninth, tenth, yeah. you know, anywhere between eighth, ninth, and tenth yeah. in that in that section, um, and we always have. We don't ever seem to make that yeah. big of an impact, you know. Yeah. E- even when we had some of the so-called bigger stars coming through, you know, at Staplewood or whatever. So, yep, yep. you know, it, it it it's always sort of been. And I, and I get at that age that it is the development thing. You know, I, I have a different approach to when, when it's the B team. My approach to it's completely different because yeah. it is competitive there yep. and it is competitive for the reasons that yeah, you're yeah, providing yeah. players Absolutely. for the first, you know, for the first team squad. Yep. But, but look, it is what it is. Yeah, Let's yeah. rejoice in a week where the B team have actually won a game. Yeah. We got three points on yeah. the board. Guess what, first team? They've done something you couldn't. They've got to win. Anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, there, there is an irony there to be fair, Mark. So as Mark said, where where's the pogues with Fiesta when you need them? Anyway, so moving on to um, details of March March fixture changes. Hopefully it's be good news for Saints, Mark. Hopefully the fact they've changed the fixture will give us a bit of good luck. But anyway. The Premier League have confirmed, uh, sorry, today released updated fixture schedule following a number of broadcast selections for the month of March. Saints Premier League meeting with Sheffield United will be played on the date originally specified, Saturday the 6th of March, 3pm, but is now set to be screened live by Sky Sports. Saints trip to the Etihad Stadium, which was due to take place in late April, has received a new date following Man City's progression in the EFL Cup. That fixture has moved to Wednesday the 10th of March, 6pm, and will again be shown live on Sky Sports. Remainder of March's fixture schedule will be confirmed in due course. Well, can I try and put a few of them after the 17th of May? Because that would be quite helpful. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've look. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to come back and speak on that in a minute. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, um, I mean, look, it is what it is. And, you know, hopefully it, it's some good news for some people right. who may have missed the games. That's but, right. And they've also um, moved the Brighton and Hove Albion game from next month. That's got a new date as well. And that's now going to be broadcast by the BBC and take place a day later than originally scheduled on Sunday, the 14th of March at 12 noon. Well, it's good news for me and you because yep. rather than doing a watch along with Mike, you know, we might be sat at home watching it. That's right. I dare say we'll do the watch along with Mike because yep. you don't want to spoil a, a winning run in the yep. cup. And obviously, uh, that's one of two fixtures taking place that week. So, nice easy week for Saints. They've got Brighton and then Man City. So, nice easy week. No, no, no sweat there. So, Mark, Mark, I just wanted to say, okay, yep. I've just had a look at the two leagues, okay? Yep. The under eighteens league, right? They're in a they're in a league of thirteen teams and they're bottom. Wow. They've secured five points. This is the under eighteens. They've secured five points all season. Wow. Yeah, so um from, that is from, the the Great Saints Academy, everybody. From twelve from twelve so well, all, all I'll say to you is, is five points and then 
In 12th spot, you have Leicester City under 18s with eight points. And then in 11th spot, you've got West Ham United in 11. They've got 11 points. Well, but we've only mustered five points from 12 games. Also. Well, on the plus side, Mark, I'm very glad that our director of football operations was the best candidate available in Europe <laughs> and that the fruit of those labours is being borne out in the under-18s in the B team. But, but I have to say there's more optimistic news on the, on the B team, right? Because yeah. just let me give you this, the, these little stats, okay? You know, it gives you some sort of hope, right? But the bottom four readers... Arsenal, 19 points from 16. Leicester City, 17 games played, 16 points, right? Southampton, 14 games played, 15 points. So they're only a point behind them and they're only four points behind Arsenal, right? Two games in hand over Arsenal and three games in hand over Leicester City. So... To be fair to the B team, they do have an opportunity of actually staying up this season. You know, whereas at the suspension of last season, you know, they, they would have been relegated. Yep. So thankfully the, the season wasn't completed last season. I see. And obviously but, we've uh, covered the fixture changes for March for you. We've covered the Brighton fixture changes as well. So obviously you know what's happening. Else. So we move on to the UEFA Women's Euro 2022. 500 days to go, and Southampton is actually due to be a host city. So UEFA today unveiled brand new identity for the UEFA Women's Euro 2022, marking 500 days till the start of the tournament, for which Southampton is a host city. The 2022 edition in England promises to be the biggest women's football event in UEFA history, deserving of the fresh, open and contemporary look that reflects the strength, diversity and ever-growing popularity of the game. Originally scheduled for 2021, the tournament was like UEFA Euro for 2020, postponed by a year. Guarantees increased exposure for women's football in a summer without other major football events. So there's been a new logo, extensive coverage of all matches at the Euro 2022 will feature on free TV, radio and online as 16 nations compete to be crowned European champions. Fantastic. Now, you know why I'm getting excited about this, don't you? Yeah, you might actually get a season with his football. Because, because uh, in a next month, well, in April, sorry, uh, Northern Ireland have reached the playoffs. Correct. And if we win the playoffs, right, and we end up in England's group, right, because England's matches yep. are based in the south of England. They are. Right? Yep. So, so, and it wouldn't surprise me if Northern Ireland, because they're so lowly ranked, they'll end up being the calm father of the group. Yep. But if they do manage to be drawn in England's group, it means that I will be able to watch all their matches because two of them will be in Southampton exactly, yeah. and one will be in Brighton. Fantastic. And I know a friend that will take me to Brighton to watch that game yep. as well. Oh, I think that's nailed on. I don't think you'll have to worry about transport. And, and I, will be, <laughs> I will be happy as Larry, man. Yep. Because I am well, I, I am just so proud of what they've what they've done. Yeah, and absolutely, absolutely. As I say, I'm really looking forward to the Euros. It'd be an interesting one because Definitely. obviously it's a great chance for England to win some silverware. Absolutely. You know, yeah, from, got from some in, great, great players in yep. Jill Scott and 
right. Alan White and young Rachel Daly. Yep. She's some, she's somewhere. I was going to say they've got some. They've got a new new up and coming player coming through as well. They keep nine. One of the youngsters could be the next good striker for England. But yeah, and from a Northern Ireland point of view, Mark, obviously, yeah, fantastic. I'm glad you're bored about that. And obviously, um, Northern Irish sports at the forefront recently because obviously Jordan Brown's just won the Welsh Open in the snooker. So, uh, haven't been haven't been a bad well, week or so for Northern Ireland, has it? Apart from you're the on the wrong job. pod, you're on the wrong. <laughs> yeah, pod. I know. We're, this you're is the two cents show, not the snooker. But anyway, yeah, so thanks for that, Mark. Yeah. But, but um, um, obviously, being a proud Northern Irishman, Mark. I'm sure you, you were quite happy about that. But yeah, yeah no, I get well, where you're coming from. And we wish well, the women's team all the best, obviously. And well, England, please don't score six against him again. It was a little bit harsh on Mark. No, no, mate, mate. <laughs> I'm joking, is, I'm joking. The thing is, is mate, whatever happens, if yep. they qualify, I will enjoy it. Because yeah, I don't so should. we lose every game, yep. but I'll enjoy it. So, yeah, and that moves us on to the next article, which is probably one that Mark, myself, and a lot of Saints fans probably won't enjoy. And that's the news that Southampton have opened talks with Alex McCarthy over a new deal. Oh, <laughs> the goalkeeper's contract runs out at the end. Um, it runs out in 2022. So, yeah, they've opened talks with him over a new contract. Well, can't wait to see how much his wages are going to be. I've, I've got to be honest, man. Given, <laughs> I mean, okay. I understand that it would cost money to bring a goalkeeper in. Yep. Right. And that is a consideration. And the only thing I would say about this contract is it probably does uh, spell the end of Fraser's stay on the South Coast for me because I can't see them, if they've opened up contract talks already with. Alex for for you know for next summer because effectively his deal runs out summer of twenty twenty two. It 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 tells me that I don't think they've got any intention of extending Fraser's contract. Um, but then it'd be interesting to see who, if anybody, to bring in for competition. You know, well the recall Angus Gone. I mean, I've seen that Angus Gone up until this evening and kept three clean sheets in a row for Stoke. Yep. Um, but I think the loss 2-0 to Barnsley tonight. Um, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see basically, do they consider Angus Gunn to have a future as, you know, a number two back up there? Yep. Alex, I would assume that's the case. And obviously then Fraser's going to be let go. But, I mean, it is a baffler, Mark. When when you sit there and you think, Alex has not been in good form. Yep. Right? See. yep. What, what's the point in having another experienced keeper there if that experienced keeper isn't pressing for, you know, pressing him for the start? Well, the thing is, through a bad patch. Greatest respect, to, greatest respect to Fraser. But this is shades of the situation with Fraser where he wasn't in the team. And he got put on another contract, and it was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's I nothing mean, against Fraser, that, obviously. That in, it, that in itself is ridiculous, yeah. and you think the club would learn lessons from yeah, that? Exactly. You know, I, I just, I'm just hoping that, you know, if they agree terms with Alex, it's more or less on the same sort of terms he's on at the minute. Because well, I hope so, because if they're struggling to give Danny Ings the sort of wages they want to give him and persuade him to sign, I can't see how they can put McCarthy on more money. But there you go. We'll see yeah. what happens. Anyway, I think we'll move on to 
the Blue Rinse Brigade down the road, down in Bournemouth, as we call them. I'm only joking. <laughs> um, Jonathan Woodgate, please see frontman Shane Long, Long get off the mark for the cherries. Yep, he's um he joined the retirement home. I mean, he's joined Bournemouth and um got off the mark straight away, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from what I've heard, you know, the Long family have opened up an ice cream parlor down there. <laughs> um, but anyway, no. Get, get on the shit. The thing is, is Mark, just following on from that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as we're recording this, um, I've got to tell you that um, he actually scored again today. Well done, Shane. So, yeah, well, I do know that actually because uh, a mutual female friend of ours messaged me and went, "My man scored again." So, okay. at, the te- at the time, at the time of of uh, him scoring, right, it was pointed out that. He hadn't scored a goal for X amount of how long, yep. right? And yet he has now scored two goals in 20 minutes. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Right. That was at the time when he scored. He'd scored two goals in 20 yeah. minutes. But um, but I have to tell you, both of them were top, especially the one on Saturday. It was, I mean, he tap was virtually on the goal line. Yeah, it's a tap into an empty net pretty much. Yeah, even I would have struggled to miss that. To be fair, Mark, and I don't know what what tonight's effort was like, but uh, no, but fair play to him. Yeah. I mean, I've I've got a lot of time for Shane because the thing is, is he is the model professional. You know, he's he's not one of those players that will rock the boat. He does get on with it. I mean, all right, he expresses that he's disappointed that he doesn't start games, but what? What footballer doesn't express that? He's not one of these ones that will throw his, you know, his baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, and that brings us to the end of that section. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back very shortly. Join Mark C and Mark H for the Two Saints Show. Follow Southampton with pre-match previews and updates from St Mary's live on Fiesta 95 FM every Thursday with the two marks. Be there or be rectangular. Right, welcome back everybody. So, other football news. 10,000 fans could return to stadiums by May. Congolo party not acceptable, Parker. Willian receives racial abuse on social media. Zahar to stop taking the knee before games. Bristol City appoint Pearson as manager. Bournemouth target Henri as new manager. Barton named new Bristol Rovers boss. Lewis Dreyfus completes Sunderland takeover. Truman and Sellers named Bradford bosses. Lennon resigns as Celtic manager. McQueen diagnosed with dementia. I headed the ball and my career ended age 19. Canneville is off the critical list and coffee waste used to make forest green kit. So Mark, start with the very first story, which is 10,000 fans could return to stadiums by May. And we're led to believe if Saints get to Wembley, we might actually be able to go. Well, you might be able to go anyway. I might be able to, if I've had a vaccine by yes. that stage. There is but, that. Um, and, uh, and it's been a two week period for yeah. gestation. But, um, yeah, no, I did read that. And obviously, hope does spring eternal. That's the case. Yeah. I've got I've got to say, though, Mark, I'm not in favour of fans returning to, for league games. No, me either. Let me explain why. Yep. Right? The thing is, is if it means that, you know, you're only going to be able to go into one, one league home game, right? Yep. And the chances are that would be the last league game of the season. Yeah. Right. 
I, I just think it's better if they just play the rest of the season without crowds. Yeah. FA Cup stout, the FA Cup final stuff from because that's a one off match. True. But I just think in relation to the league, it gives some fair advantage if you're a home side. Yeah. You're playing the last set of fixtures. Certainly does. You know what I mean? So yeah. I I would much rather just say I, I know that that's probably unpopular view, but I just tend to think to myself, you know, there's there's been such a long time without fans in the stadium. That's true. true. You know, and I and I just think to make it equal for everybody, you know, because you you don't know what's going to be at stake at the end of the season. No, I get that. Well, the thing is as well, let's just hope also it's not a full storm because it could be a full storm. You know, we've had so many of these throughout this lockdown period and throughout the whole pandemic, you know, it could be one of those other, it could be another full storm. It might not happen yet. We don't know what's going to happen between now and May. You know, anything's possible. And if the pandemic's taught us anything, it's exactly that, isn't it? That anything can happen. So let's hope it does, but let's hope it's not another full storm. Always I, mean, I mean, let's let's be honest, and we're only talking about the article as we see it. Yeah. But but obviously, you know, we, we all realise that you know things can change very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Everything else, but I th- yeah. but I do think well, obviously with the vaccine being out there now, it makes a difference. You know, all the reports that are yeah. coming back all sound pretty good. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Now, talking of reports that sound good, this doesn't sound good. This sounds very poor, actually. So Fulham boss Scott Parker says a surprise birthday party thrown for defender Terence Congolo was not acceptable. Yeah, I'm getting a bit brassed off of footballers constantly breaching rules and just saying it's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal to the rest of us. I've got, I've got to be honest, Mark, right? I'm on Terence's side with this one, right? Because if you actually read the article, yep. okay, so... Terence Kalunga was coming back from the league game. Yep. Uh, Fulham were playing up north. Actually, yep. I think it was the Everton game, which they actually won. Yep. And he was returning back to his apart- apartment at about, the, the reckon he was returning back at about two or three in the morning. Yep. Right? And he's he, they have the CCTV where he's got his mask on and he's entered the apartment. And then all of a sudden, it's like, surprise. Yeah. You know, to me, that was nothing to do with him. That was, that was, you know, a five factors beyond his control. But obviously, the people around him shouldn't have been doing it, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, he was unaware because obviously it was a surprise birthday party. Yeah, I get that. But get that the, the thing is, is the people around them are aware of his responsibilities as a yep, footballer yep, right. and they shouldn't be doing it. But the know? thing is, yeah, I mean, the, the whole situation is people breaking rules and that is just getting on my nerves, to be fair. I'm not blaming the players directly necessarily, but people are breaching rules and it is yeah, getting out no, I, I, get, I get that, but in this instance, it wasn't yep. the footballer's That's fault. You know, it, we're talking about either yeah, yeah. a partner or yeah. family Get but that. even even they should be aware yeah, of his of his direct responsibilities. Yeah. So yeah, in, so from that point of view, I agree with Scott Parker. It is not acceptable. But yeah. I also agree with you. It wasn't his fault. Yeah, anyway, it wasn't his fault. Moving on, uh, Willian has received racial abuse on social media, and the other side to the coin of that is the fact Wilfred Zahar has said he's refusing to take the knee before games. No. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that you've decided to do these two. I'm, I'm yep. meant to say to you. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, it, again, we're going to be going over old ground, but until until social media takes some responsibility for what's happening, right, and you have to log in and out and give details when, when you're going to make comments or pass messages, direct yep. messages or whatever it would be to people, unless, until the, the social media companies bring that sort of thing in, yep. And until until the courts start getting tough on yep. sentencing about this sort of yep. thing, because it's not on. And no, unless not. unless you take a hard line, this is just going to continue. Yeah, as absolutely. far as I'm concerned, yep. you know the thing. The thing is, is Mark though, and and you know, I, I listened. I uh, uh, think it might have been uh, Clinton Marson the other day. And he made a good point, you know, it's been driven out of the stadiums, right? And now we've just got faceless people who yep. think it's okay to abuse yep. or yep. whatever online, you know. And, you know, this won't be sorted until the media Makes and sense. the courts take action yep. and actually make it, you know, more of a criminal offence and I'll stuff agree. like that. I agree 100%. Yeah, and um, Wilfred Zahar um, obviously saying he's going to stop taking the need for games. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I think that whole BLM situation's kind of run its course a little bit. Yeah, but the thing is, is it's not. It's the the thing is, people keep talking about that, but it's not just about that. Is no, it's it? Not. It's about equality. And yeah, the thing sure. is, is I, I've got to I've got to say I disagree with Wilfred really because until someone comes up with a better idea. Of how they how they express that these things are not acceptable in normal society, yeah. you know, um, until somebody comes up with a better idea than taking the knee, then I should then to me the footballers and other sportsmen, you know, we've seen it. It's not just football, no, you know, we've seen it in other sports. Yep. You know, people taking the knee, and I, and I think until someone comes up with a better idea. Right, and this is what we're talking about, yeah. which is a fact of. I mean, every time I see them take the knee, I just think it sends a powerful message to that. people that, that we won't tolerate. We won't. I, you know, I, I turn around to think to myself, that's good because we won't then tol- tolerate a society that is biased one way or the other. Oh, right, it's all about equality for everybody. Yep, fair comment. You know? So, we'll move on to the next story. Bristol City appoint the man who's um, rapidly becoming the Sam Allardyce of lower division teams. Nigel Pearson has been appointed at Bristol City, Mark. The man's never out of a job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Is he becoming the Sam Allardyce of the lower leagues? (laughs) I mean, the thing is, is the last manager there was Ricky Walden, right? Yep. And to be honest, he'd had a... He had a hell of an impact to start off with. I think at one stage, Bristol were Bristol City were top of the league yep. after about five or six games. Yep. Um, but then they've, they've sort of took a nosedive just before Christmas. And obviously, you know, they've, they've decided to bring Nigel Pearson in to stop the run. I actually believe that the one, the one their game, he hasn't actually taken charge yet, but he was yep. watching the game last night cool. and uh, the one last night so obviously hopefully there'll be an upturn in fortune for them but 
He's yeah. only there, strangely enough, till the end of the season. So, yeah, that you know, hopefully Sam Manadosh reference. But you know, if, obviously, if he impresses, he'll get given a longer contract. Yeah, that was that was where the tongue-in-cheek Sam Allardyce reference came from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it's uh, as as I say, it's um, it's an in- it's an interesting move yep. for them because obviously, you know, the last time Nigel was in the championship, to be fair to him, he got Leicester promoted to the Premier League, so. Yep. You know, Lightning made straight twice, you know. So we move on to Bournemouth. Bournemouth target Thierry um, Henry. <laughs> Bournemouth target Thierry Henry as manager. Did they really? Because I'm led to believe the fans were pretty upset at the fact they appointed Jonathan Woodgate, who they'd employed three weeks earlier. Right. Well, here, here the, th- the thing that baffles me, Mark, is, right, Jonathan Woodgate, has obviously been given the Bournemouth job to the end of the season, right? Yep. Now, if it if it's Bournemouth's intention that they're looking to employ uh, Terry Henry, you know, during the summer. Yep. Okay. But the thing is, is you look at his record, and his win percentage as a manager is absolute pants. Yeah, it's I mean, and you sit there, and I do think to myself, is this just the PR stunt, yep. right? You know, to get greater exposure for Bournemouth Football Club, yep. or are they actually seriously considering, you know, appointing him as a manager? But on the flip side of that, the other thing I want to say is, right, Bournemouth appointing Jonathan Woodgate. To me, that just means that they're not going to get promoted this yep. season and they're not going to end up in the playoffs neither. If you look at his record at Middlesbrough, yep. right? Yep. When, when he was appointed manager at Middlesbrough, I mean, they were they were relegated well, under Jonathan. Let me say this, Mark. They've had Middlesbrough fans putting stuff out on Twitter to Bournemouth fans saying, we feel your pain. <laughs> After the appointment was made, okay. <laughs> no, and, that, and that, the reason why the Borough fans yep. are doing that is because last last season yep. when Jonathan Woodgate was the manager, yep. you know, if it hadn't been for them appointing Neil Warnock when they yep. did, yep. they would have been relegated out of the championship. 100%. Yep, you know, 100%. And, 100%. and 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 for Bournemouth, I mean. The thing is, is some people are just born opportunists. I yeah. mean, he gets a, so Jason Ted steals the manager, right? Yeah. Jonathan Woodgate got employed by Bournemouth on the Monday, yeah. right? Jason Ted Steele got it sacked on the or got was got rid of, let's put it like that, right? On the Wednesday or the Thursday. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're putting Jonathan in as interim manager. Yeah. And then, and then we're, and then they go, oh, he, he's 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 won. I think he mm-hmm. won for lost one and three one, right? And he goes, mm-hmm. right, we're putting him in as manager, right? And I'm sat there thinking, look at his, all right, he's there as an interim manager and he's had a bit of an upcoming. Like but look at his, look at his performances, middle manager. Like, they bring, they bring in Jason Tindall. Okay, so they bring in Jason Tindall. Uh, they bring in Jonathan Woodgate. A couple of days after Jonathan Woodgate comes in, they sack Jason Tindall, saying yeah. he's he's not meeting the 
vision the club have, moving it forward, blah, blah, blah. Okay, moving it forward. Okay. So you're then saying you're going through a process of due diligence. You've got a manager shortlist. Thierry Henry's on there. So you're doing a thorough search. Within a day or not even a day, you announced that Jonathan Wood gets taken over on a permanent basis. And you're sat there going, well, why on earth did they sack Jason Tindall then? Yeah, well, the thing is, the thing is, is man, it, it, like I said, it, it baffles me. It just seems to be a cheap option. Yep. You know, and, and maybe it is a case of, you know, they're just wanting someone to steady the ship until yep. they make their move for, ter- you know, Terry Henry in the summer. Absolutely. But, but like I said, why would Bournemouth want to employ Terry Henry? I get, I get that he's a big name, but... If you look at his managerial record, it's absolutely, you know, yeah. Jonathan Wood getting him are on a par. Tanya, moving on, this was an interesting one. Um, we're going to cover the rest of the um, lower league stories, obviously. So Joe Barton named as new Bristol Rovers boss. Kirill Lewis-Dreyfus becomes Sunderland chairman at the age of 23 after buying a controlling interest in the club. And Truman and Sellers named Bradford bosses. So Bradford City have appointed interim bosses Mark Truman and Connor Sellers as joint managers till the end of the 2021-22 season, Mark. Right. So where was start? Where was Joey Barton? Joey Barton appointed as new Bristol Rovers boss after being sacked by Fleetwood. Yeah, well, it, look, he was going to turn up somewhere, wasn't he? Yep. I mean, his record actually at Fleetwood wasn't that bad. And he, he does seem to have a sort of upturn with, yep, yep. with teams. But the problem is, is Joey's personality takes over, if you like. Yeah. You know, and he's never he's never short of expressing yep. himself, is True. he? So, yeah, some you know, things never that, change. That can tend to rub people the wrong way, yep. owners, owners as well as opposition managers. Yep. But obviously, he's back in, he's back in football. He's taken over Bristol Rovers. Yep. I've got to be honest, if he works miracles there, to keep, even just to keep them up, I mean, I think they're fourth from bottom yep. uh, in League One. And I, I'll suggest to you, Mark, if he keeps them up, he's done a good job. You know, and yep. then hope, I'm, I'm sure in the summer he'll be hoping to put a stamp in the squad. We should see one or two changes if he's hoping to move, you know, Bristol Rovers forward. And um, this is um, definitely um, changing the sort of old boys brigade in football. Kirill Lewis-Dreyfus, Sunderland's chairman at the age of 23, Mark. That's quite a a move at 23 years old, isn't it? Chairman of Sunderland. No pressure then. We reported this, I think, just uh, some some sometime in late December. It was we spoke about it, and it looked like it was, you know he was going to be appointed, but now it's been made official. Yep, and uh, he is quite young, but obviously, I do think there's a certain amount of family guidance there as well. Yeah, he's um he's obviously Swiss, and he's son yeah. of the former Marseille owner Robert Louis Dreyfus. So he's yeah. actually the youngest chairman in English football now. Yeah. And he, he seems to be quite level-headed because, again, I know we hear this from a lot of owners, but he does seem to want to get very involved in the local community. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see where they go from there. Wow. One of the more interesting things from that article, Mark, was the fact that Stuart Donald has still decided to retain a stake in Sunderland. Yeah. I think from what I've heard and read, 
I think it's around about 10%. Um, <laughs> so, but obviously, obviously, you know, young Dreyfus has become the, you know, the, major, the majority sort of shareholder, yep. therefore he's the chairman. Absolutely. But it'd be interesting to see how Sunderland go. I mean, Lee Johnson's gone in there as the new manager. He took over from Phil Parkinson. And, you know, it looks like he's having a bit of an effect because yep. they were in a bit of a slump and now <laughs> they seem to have found a bit of form again. You know, they're in and around the playoff places again. So, Excellent. you know, let, let's see what happens. Definitely. So moving on to Bradford City appointing interim bosses Mark Truman and Connor Sellers to as joint managers till the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, this this I've got to say this one was a bit of a strange one for me, yeah. right? Because I'd never heard of them before, but then I looked into the the took over when Born or sorry when Bradford City were twenty second in League Two, right? They got Bradford City got rid of Stuart McCall, and they. They brought the two of the men, relative unknowns. It's a bit like the Crowley brothers, if you remember the Crowley brothers at Lincoln City. Yeah. And the brilliant job that they did there. You know, relative unknowns. But they've they've basically lifted Bradford from 22nd place to 13th place. And they only currently lie seven points off in the playoffs. And given the nature of League Two this season... It's fairly congested, you know. I've I've got to say, I mean, you know, Bol- for example, Bolton started the season really badly, you know, and they're only now a point off the playoffs. So yeah. all all it would need is for for uh, the lads that that have taken over at Bradford to continue to sort of have the same sort of game win ratio, yeah. and. Bradford will end up in the playoffs this season, you know. So good luck to the two of them. Rather than fun the ones, but you know, at the end of the day, how do you make a name for yourself, Mark? You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, and we move on to the next story as well. Scottish football. Neil Lennon has resigned as the manager of Celtic, with Celtic eighteen points behind Rangers in the Scottish Premiership. Yeah, I mean, look, let, let's not trample on a you know on a man's demise. Yeah. But the thing is, is you know, Neil Lennon will always be remembered, whether it's as a player yeah. or a manager. Absolutely, you know, as a as a Celtic great for for what he's done for the football club. Absolutely right. You know, and winning the treble and stuff like that. There, yeah. but the thing is, is things sort of conspired against him this season. I don't necessarily think Celtic's recruitment was that great. Yeah. Um, there was PR disasters as well. I mean, you know, we've seen in recent weeks the chairman stepped down as well, you know, and there was the whole nonsense over Christmas when they went off to Dubai, you know, yeah. which, which, you know, I mean, people have different opinions about it, but to me it was fairly irresponsible and there was a backlash from that. And obviously Neil had to deal with that. Um you know, and, and I just think at the end of the day, he, he had probably run its course. I mean, look, mate, you can't, you know, you can't have a team of that size and stature go to Ross County. Although I was over the moon, mate, because I support any of the Diddy teams, as they say, up in Scotland. 
That means small teams to the people yeah, yeah, yeah. here, right? I support any of the Diddy teams when it comes to the two main Glasgow clubs because I can't stand them personally. Yeah. But <laughs> but but the thing is, is like you know, the thing is, I get why, why support you know supporters of the Glasgow big two, you know, turn around and say, oh, it's acceptable. You know, they're losing the Ross County. You know, we were winning the treble last season and we're losing the Ross County. You know, so yep. I get it, I get it, but you know, all of all I would say is, is it's sad because it's the demise of Neil Lennon. Obviously, mate, the interesting story here is who's going to take over because the runners and riders that they're being linked with is unbelievable. I mean, Frank Lampard, uh, uh, Eddie Howe, um, Rafa Benitez. You know, and and. And then you've got the more sort of the more sort of connected to the club types. Roy Keane's been spoken about. Could you imagine Roy Keane and Stephen Gerrard in an old firm derby, opposite, you know, opposite sort of in the dugouts? Oh, I mean, I don't think you get anything more fiery than that. But and then they've they've spoke about people like, you know. Uh, Northern Ireland's ex-national manager Michael O'Neill, who's currently at Stoke, yep. you know, is being a good fit for Celtic. But it'd be interesting to see who they do appoint. Definitely. So moving on, um, sad news that Gordon McQueen, the former Scotland Man United and Leeds defender, has been diagnosed with dementia. This is uh, vascular dementia. The six-year-old, 68-year-old, whose career began at St Mirren, played 30 times for Scotland, won the English First Division with Leeds and FA Cup at Manchester United. He went on to manage Airdrie and coach at Middlesbrough before working as a television pundit. His family said the former centre-back was formally diagnosed in January. So very sad news, Mark. It has been. I mean, again, you know, it, it's someone that you associate when you were growing up. And, I mean, Gordon McQueen was one of those players that was renowned for having the ball as well. And I'm from, if I'm not mistaken as well, Mark, part of the Man United 76 Cup final team that we beat. Um, no, he, he wasn't there. Okay. Gordon McQueen didn't come till later on. I think it was oh, okay. summer of summer of '79 uh, oh, okay. when he joined United. Uh-huh. I think it was uh, he was at Dave Saxton uh, when Dave right. Saxton joined the club. Gordon McQueen joined that summer. Right, so uh, okay. I think it was '78 or '79. Yeah, um, sad news on that one. And also, along with. Along with that news on Gordon McQueen, Bobby Coppin, the former Peterborough defender, on retiring at 19 after heading a ball, he said it went up for a routine header in a training game last July, ended up in hospital for four days after suffering a seizure, losing his sight and going numb down one side of his body. Um, he hoped it was a freak one-off accident. His comeback in the game, um, in his comeback game, the same thing happened. The injury has ended his career at just 19, having started to make his breakthrough to the first team. So that's uh, that's pretty scary, Mark. Yeah, it is. It is sc- I mean... When, when I read it, man, I just thought, how horrific is that? You know, that's happening to him at that age. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about people that have had careers. Yeah, you know, and, right. and hopefully, you know, like we've said previously, you know, the PFA now are yeah. acting. Yeah, and don't know, ask us right, involved with that as well. Too, too late, but at least they're acting and hopefully everybody get the care that they need. But yeah. absolutely horrific for a player of that age. Well, and it's good to know that um, Dawn Astle's involved with the dementia program with the FA as well. So that's good, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
No, definitely. But moving on to some slightly better news. Um, we reported that former Chelsea winger Paul Canneville was critically ill in hospital after emergency surgery. He's actually no longer critically ill in hospital. So that's a little bit of positive news, Mark. Yeah, no, I just I just thought I would highlight it, mate. You know, I always like to go in when we're doing the other football news with something that, right. that that you know gives gives us a bit of positivity yeah, definitely, and definitely. also you know, something with a bit of quirkiness, which we're going to come on to now. Absolutely. But for me personally, it's great news about Paul Cannavale. I mean, he, yeah, you know, he, he was a person that was very much at the forefront of yeah, things. Absolutely right. Yeah, great news. So yeah, Forest Green Rovers are to wear prototype shirts made of coffee waste. So they'll be launching a new shirt, partly made of coffee waste. Are they going to have a new sponsor? Is it going to be Starbucks or Costa? <laughs> 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 Wait I tell you, this this club have got to be the football league's most innovative club, yeah. right? They're the first club in the football league to have a vegan-only menu, right? And all the stuff is properly sourced. The owner's very, very much involved, you know, um, up for a screen. And it's, I just find it really, really fascinating. I can't wait to see what the new, what the new shirts and kit are going to look okay. like. I mean, I've got to be honest, I really am curious to see it, you know? Which well, is interesting because think- they, they introduced their first part bamboo kit almost two years ago. They serve vegan food to the players and they're planning a new stadium made entirely out of wood. Yeah, it's all, it's all recyclable. He, he, he's yep. all into this recyclable. I yep. think he's vegan even himself, so therefore yep. that's and they were why. They were actually recognised by FIFA in 2017 as the greenest football club in the world. Yeah, and, and mate, they've, they've continued to make strives in that direction. Like I okay. said, you know, you if you go and, you know, you go uh, you know, as part of the sort of, you know, select bar that got lifted and laid, you know, yep. when you go to the football, you know, it's a completely vegan menu, yep. vegan menu and everything else. And, and, and the thing is, is Hugh, friend of the show, Hugh has actually gone to Forest Green Rovers home yep. and he has been in the hospitality, right? And he said of the vegan food, you wouldn't know it. Yep. You'd actually sit there and think you were eating meat. Yeah. And it was it was absolutely lovely. But um, so the thing is, is Mark, just going back to the, the kit and stuff like that there. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what they what Forest Green have come up with because a couple of years ago, right, a couple I think it was two seasons ago, Coventry City came up with an away kit, which was black and white, which is an o- was an Olay to the two-tone revival of the late 70s and early 80s, which was a fantastic kit. I tried to order it, but the no avail. They didn't have me size. You know, need to lose a few pounds. <laughs> well, hopefully with new Hummel shirts coming for Saints fans, we'll um, we'll get a slightly better fit than the Under Armour. I mean, I, I, I can't wait for next, next season shirts to come out. Yep. Mate, to see what Hummel comes big, big up fan with. Of that. Big fan of that. So that brings us to the end of the other news, uh, other football news section for the show today. So we're going to take uh, our last...
break. And when we come back, the two Saints preview of Everton versus Saints. So it'll be last time out, last time out away and at home. It's the two marks CNH on the two Saints show Fiesta ninety five FM. Right, welcome back, everybody. So the two Saints preview of Everton versus Saints, and last time out away and at home. So. Danny Ings scored in a one-all draw. Richarlison scored after 44 minutes. Danny Ings had already scored for Saints, gave them a lead on 31 minutes. Um, the assist was from Stuart Armstrong for Saints and Digne for Everton. And in the following fixture, which was at St Mary's, Sunday 25th October, it was Southampton 2, Everton 0. Ward Price 27 minutes, Adams in the 35th minute, and Digne sent off for Everton in the 72nd minute. And we actually ran out two new winners in that one, Mark. So uh, a 1-0 draw and a 2-0 win. Yeah, the, the most significant thing about those two was the Danny Ings goal. That was the one where I said to you about he wasn't even looking at his yep. feet. Brilliant goal. Right. And he was able to know he was able to know where exactly the ball was, even though he wasn't looking at his feet. Yep. And and I said to you at the time that even though it probably wasn't the greatest finish to the season, it was one of my goals of the season just because he was he already knew where the ball was. That was fantastic. Um, and and then and then the obviously the home games, the one from this season, and the reason why that was relevant at the time was Everton were actually top of the league when we beat them two now. So, and um, it was in the happy it was in happier times when we were much more we were a much more fluid attacking team with no in, with no injuries. Yeah, well there is that, yeah. So yeah, um I've got to be honest, Mark, I've got a funny feeling this is gonna be uh Oh, do you know what? I'm going to say one off. I was going to go one off. Oh, but I'm, 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 because you have gone one all, and I know I can't take it off you, I'm going to go nil nil. I'm going to go where nil nil. Fair enough. Do we think there will be any VAR controversy? Who do you think the key man will be for Saints, and who do you think the key man will be for Everton? Right. So the key, the key man for us, I think James Ward Prince has to get back to playing yep. at his past. Yep. For for me, he's gone missing. Um, not not necessarily in the Chelsea game, but the, yep. you you know yourself, the last few games, probably he hasn't been of his normal standard. Yep. And, and unfortunately, the thing is, is we we come dependent on him being at his normal standard every week. So when he when he's not at his normal standard, you know, you tend to take notice. So I think I think he's going to be key. I think you know you you've got to start Danny Ings and Shea Adams up front, surely, to give you any sort of goal threat. You know, unless he's looking to do a containment job. But we're just we're just going to have to wait and see. But James Ward Prowse for me, in terms of you know he needs to step back up to the level he was at. I think that's dropped off a bit, and. For Everton, I'm gonna say uh James Rodriguez. Only only because, Mark, right? He's only been there a season and he's already been linked back to some of the top clubs in Europe yeah. because of the the sea. I mean, it, it's a strange one because I think his season's tailed off a bit, but obviously the impact that he had initially at Everton, yeah. right? Because you know he was he was a driving force there, right? 
And obviously he's come to, he came to Everton because of Ancelotti. Yeah. You know, because Ancelotti obviously <laughs> managed it way everywhere else, you know, and he's well respected. But, you know, they're already talking about a move in next season from Everton. And he joined Everton on a free. Yep. You know, I'd love to know what wages they're paying him, by the way. And the other thing is, um, do you... I'm, I'm sort of hoping Ralph switches back to what he did at Chelsea. Do you think you should switch back to what he did at Chelsea, go with that team? Or would you keep faith with the players that capitulated against Leeds? Yeah, I think I think I would take a more cautious approach, definitely, Mark. The thing is, the thing is, is Everton isn't exactly the happiest of the hunting grounds for us, right? Yeah. So maybe it is, maybe it is a case of playing within ourselves, maybe set, setting up me at defensive shape, maybe doing what we did against Chelsea. You know, I, I, I just think if we go gun ho at it, we'll probably leave ourselves way too open. And the, the problem is, is Everton have got players that will give you headaches. I mean, Calvert-Lewin's been a revelation in terms of scoring goals this season. Yep. You know, Rickardson's always a handful because he'll dive or I mean... You know, I keep saying about him that he'd be better on a springboard than on a football pitch, you yeah. know, because because of the amount of diving that he does. And yeah. then obviously you've got the mercurial, you know, talents of of Zigerson, who's always who's always dangerous from set pieces. So I I, I would tend to be slightly more reserved in yeah. the way we approach things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say ultra-ultra defensive, but keep a good shape, you know, and and keep, be compact in the same way that we were against Definitely Chelsea. Right. Maybe not as defensive, but we need to be, you know, we need to be slightly more circumspect than right. going in being gun ho You know, if we do what we tried to do against Leeds, we'll get our arses smart. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, let's not forget, last time we um, actually beat Everton, um, their unbeaten record was actually ended by us. And they were the league leaders at the time. <laughs> Can't see it quite going the same way, but let's remember right. that. We actually went on quite a run after that. So yeah, we we'll did. Bit of a run after that. We did. So uh, let's hope that's the catalyst this time, man. Mark. It was Arsenal last season, I think, wasn't it? Um, and the season before. So let's hope Everton are the catalyst this season. I thought Chelsea were going to be a catalyst, but yeah, let's hope. So hit the reset button, a little bit more training and hopefully get a result against Devon. Yeah, and I think that, unless Mark's yeah. got anything else to add, I think that wraps up the show quite nicely today. So, yeah. goodbye from myself. And it's goodbye from me. Look, everybody, just take care of one another and, you know, stay stay safe, keep well. Yep, if you get off with the vaccine, take it. And um, if you haven't heard anything and you're not sure, contact your surgery and they should be able to help you with a bit of luck. So, anyway. Just to remind you, the ways to access the podcast version of the show, which is coming up later in the week, will be, or in the next few days, will be the email address, which is the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com. And if you've got a list of platforms that's available on, which come up now. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com, for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints podcast show is now available via Spotify, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, or via our Facebook page, The Two Saints Show, and our YouTube channel, The Two Saints Podcast Show. Please join us again next week when The Two Saints go marching in again.
Enjoy our exit tune. <laughs> 